This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be legends. Gonna get their attention. We have what? Time limit. Okay. So we'll jump right in, yeah? Please. Okay. I'm just gonna record it, that's alright. No worries. Okay. So Gary Vaynerchuk is known for hustle. Okay. So talk to me, what does hustle mean to you? Why why is it important? Um, for me it's important because I don't think any of us in this room or anybody reading this article can physically change how smart they are. I don't think we can make ourselves you know, uh, more clever or more strategic. Uh, but I do think that hard work is the most controllable aspect of entrepreneurship and business that anybody can deploy. And I find that fascinating. Right, like you, it's very hard for us to be born with more physical attributes, but if we work out seven days a week, we can be more athletic, we can be stronger. I think work ethic, aka hustle, is that same version in business. It's the most controllable, and I try to give advice that is actually practical, not makes me look cool, and so that's why I love hustle. And that's so the personal brand yes. is something you speak on a lot. It's something that social media has really become possible for everyone. Yes. So what's the first step for someone to build that great personal brand? Uh, to be self-aware of what they actually have to add to the conversation. You know, being, se- being a personal brand for the sake of being a personal brand is usually the quickest way to not be a personal brand. Um, I think you have to understand what you do, what you talk about. I mean, I talk and talk and talk and talk and have for the last decade, but if you look carefully, in a very narrow, you know, I haven't gone into healthcare or geopolitical. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking for the sake of talking or adding my two cents to every pop culture situation. I talk about the things that I know. Communication in a modern world, usually in a social network environment, right? And so, and more and more probably now in a voice environment as I become fascinated with that platform. So uh, I, I think it's important to have a skill and then the next thing that's important is to understand how you communicate. You you know, I'm, I'm guessing right now, clearly can write. You know, other people can do audio. Other people can do video. I think the self-awareness around how you're gonna communicate in one of the three mediums of how people consume content is massively important. And so, what are you gonna talk about? And what's your best way of communicating that? And then once you understand that, what is the current distribution situations of those things? So if you're good at audio, you know, you need to understand Anchor, you need to understand distribution of podcasts, you need to understand Alexa briefings, written word. You need to understand what's happening on Facebook and LinkedIn and Medium and contribution opportunities. And then video, you need to understand YouTube and Facebook and Vimeo, which reminds me, I still want a Vimeo movie ASAP. Uh, so. so. But if everyone has a personal brand, then is there a point in having one? Of course, it's called supply and demand. You know, everybody has a personal brand. Having a successful personal brand is very different. So, if, so your first step would be to know your role, basically. You have no chance of breaking through the supply and demand issue right. unless you have something to add. And so, you need to figure that out. Okay, um, so um, when's it time to give? So a lot of uh, entrepreneurs will look at someone like you and me, you know, you kept on pushing, you kept yes. on pushing, but sometimes you gotta know when to give and take. Yes. So what would you tell an entrepreneur about that? You know, you know, perseverance and delusion are kissing cousins, right? They're very close. 
And I think a lot of people make the mistake on that. And that is something that is hard for me to give advice in a general sense because the only time when I know how to give the right answer to this question is when I've spent at least 15 to right. th- minutes to three hours of meaningful time to be like, oh, okay, you're delusional. You're not good at this. You've been doing this for three years and you think you're gonna break through. You can't sing, bro. You're not, you don't know how to sell stuff, you know, my friend. So I don't think this is the easiest question to answer in general terms, but I do, I do structure it as saying perseverance and delusion are more similar than people realize, which with the hope that somebody reads this says, wait a minute, am I delusional? Or am I just a couple years away from breaking through? You know, that's the real answer to your question. So it's just use your gut. Uh, you know, I think gut is scary because if you don't have a good, if you don't have good self-awareness, your gut's going to tell you to do it. But AKA, you're delusional. I think use people around you, use historical success. You know, uh, and then and then I would add one last thing. I would argue I'd rather somebody continue to persevere around something they love doing. Like if you love making ice cream sundaes and you want to become the number one expert of ice cream sundaes with the hope of opening ice cream sundae stores. I weirdly would rather you not all the way make it, kind of live paycheck paycheck to paycheck, but be so happy, than go and do law, be miserable, and make a little bit more money that allows you to take a vacation or have a fancy car. So it's a complex question, right? I understand exactly what you mean. I, I was 16, all I wanted to do was play video games and write. I write to the newspaper at a cold email and say, hire me, I'll work for free. Right, and to me, if, you know, now I'm getting to know you, I'm like, hey bro, have you thought about really getting focused on writing about eSports? Because I think that's gonna be a big space for the next 20 years. So like, these are the questions. And to me, you making $87,000 a year writing about eSports is more attractive than making 210 as a consultant in the way that I view life. Some can argue to me that they are so insecure that they need a Rolex and a BMW and that's what scratches the itch for them. And I'm okay with that. I would just argue that if they tasted what it felt like to make 87, yeah. writing about eSports and maybe living in a renting apartment instead of owning a bigger home. I mean, you know, this is advice I take for myself. There's a million things I could be doing. I could own a townhouse in New York City, I could have a home in Dubai and Singapore and London if I was willing to do things that made me more cash. But I love doing what I'm doing. Obviously for me it worked out because I could have a little bit of both. But there's a million different versions of that. So when you started Veda Media, what was the what was going through your mind? I mean to build a marketing and communications death star, which is funny to be in this office. Uh, I call it a machine, I call it a Death Star, I call it a platform, I call it an ecosystem, call it what you want. To eat shit for 10 years, to to eat my own dog food, the advice I just gave in the last question, spend 10 years loving it, grinding, to build a platform so that I could buy businesses in my 50s and 60s and run them through the machine and create disproportionate return on the investment. I can buy Kleenex, I can buy K-Swiss, I can buy Aquafina in eight years and build an incredibly big business because I spent these 10 years building VaynerX, the holding company that has VaynerMedia, PureWow, the acquisition I made, which is getting myself into publishing. You know, I'm, I, I've been debating starting the premier Sports Illustrated ESPN of eSports. You know, so like, you know, these are the things I think about. Why would I do that? Because if I have the number one eSports 48 million readers 
each month in 11 years, if I buy a brand, a hoodie company, Supreme, mm. uh, an energy drink, having that platform is gonna help me build that business. Understand? Understand. So it's all about connecting the dots. In the connecting platform. the dots. Absolutely. So uh, when watching your, 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 your vlogs, um, voice tech is something you yes. you think is huge. So huge. I use Google Home, I use Alexa. I'm still feeling there's no killer app. There is no killer app. So what, what needs to be done in this space? The killer app needs to come out. So that's just it. That's it. That's right. You need the Pokemon Go that gets us say, wow, AR. You need the, I'm trying to think about the iPhone. Uh, Angry Birds that makes us say gaming. You need, uh, you need the killer app. But, but, but the ecosystem's so young. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is so early. So early. So uh, we have all these different uh, wall gardens. We have uh, Google, we have Amazon, we have Microsoft. Yes. So how do you think that these big boys should be uh, playing it? I, sh- I think they should continue to put up walled gardens. It's a fire more profitable. Please go on. That's how they make money. Okay. I mean, you know, you know, I don't think Google or Facebook or LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Microsoft or any Apple has any obligation to society to open up the data so we have it better. I don't think that has anything to do with business. Uh, take a step back. So I love the daily V's, of course. Thank you. So what was the inspiration to start this and to release? It must be a lot of work. You know, it's a lot more, it's, it's actually not a lot of work. It's actually been an incredibly smart strategy, to be honest. You know, I live my life, somebody documents it, they post-produce, I am not egotistical or, or too romantic, and so I don't really get involved in post-production. I, I mean, it literally, I don't even know, I mean, it doesn't take a lot of work at all, which is scary compared to the impact it has. It creates a consistent show, which works. It also feeds all my written audio and other micro video content. I mean, the fact that I can put out a clip uh, on Instagram a couple days ago that gets a million organic views and have that branding in that 20, you know, 20 to 35 demo that I'm so desperate to have, and the fact that that was just one moment of me being at Wine Library on a Saturday giving a 13-year-old kid some advice that we, post-edited and chopped up in post-production on my media team internally, that's incredible. Like, I'm, I'm, I think I've figured it out. Macro content at scale, right. which then creates micro content at scale, all of which doesn't do anything to me other than force me to actually live my life. I'm not doing anything today for Daily B. I'm living life. And so it's a very interesting thing that I'm doing because I'm confusing a lot of people. I've created an incredible perception that I spend all my time on my personal brand in a world where I spend none of my time on my personal brand. Makes sense. I'm, I'm spending 15 hours a day being the CEO of VaynerMedia. It's pretty cool. I, I'm, very, I'm very, very, very um, proud of the model I've created and I do think that in 10 years I will be, I think when I started it, there was definitely ridicule behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, it's a very narcissistic, mm-hmm you know, charlatan-like situation. I, I'm empathetic to that. Like, who, who wakes up one morning and thinks that they deserve to have somebody following them around 24-7? Th- that takes a level of, I, I understand why there's some cynicism and pushback. I'm just fully aware that this is what a lot of people are gonna do in a decade. So uh, you, you mentioned the 25 to 30 year old bracket is something you're supremely interested in. Yes. So is, so is everyone else. Yes. But this generation, we are incredibly fickle. Yes. We have no loyalty. Correct. Uh, we don't really care too much about yes. 
deep. So, so how do brands, how do companies reach out to? By accepting that and then realizing they have to bring value in a disproportionate way. What value are 25 to 30 year olds looking for? A million different things depending on who the hell they are. You know, like, you know, inspiration, motivation, information, entertainment, the same exact thing that 45 to 60 year olds mm-hmm. are looking for. It just comes in different form. Humans are humans. Right. Escapism, utility, Look at your iPhone. I I, I ask everybody who's reading this article to take the front screen of their telephone and look at it. Right now, the apps on the front screen of your telephone are the biggest indication to what you give a shit about in the world. Let me save you some time and tell you what's on the front screen of your telephone. Communication, utility, and entertainment. The way humans work. So you have to be good at those things. Why does Venmo work? It's a utility that brings people value and saves them time, just like Uber, right? Why does Spotify and YouTube work? Because it's entertainment. It's called music and television and film. Why does Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter work? It's called communication. We need to communicate. We have to scrap the chat itch. I'm very, very old school. I just understand how to interpret in new school. So what's on the whole screen of Gary Vaynerchuk's phone? So Gary Vaynerchuk's home screen is like every single other person's. It's disproportionately social because I'm a media creator. And then it's utility, right? So Resi, an app that I'm involved in, which is a restaurant app, right? Uh, Travel, Mm -hmm. weather, like everybody else. And then Spotify and, and YouTube. I mean, just like Slack. I mean, like, you know, the same as everybody's. I have less entertainment. There's no gain, right? I don't watch YouTube. I distribute content, right. um, but it's really no different. It's, it's the quickest tell. I, I know about somebody in four seconds if I look at their home screen. It's incredible. Yeah, I'll actually look at mine later. Hopefully well, you can give me some great advice. You got it. So uh, two social platforms that really intrigue me that you've mastered. Okay. Uh, Instagram, what is the secret to a great Instagram video? Because Instagram, short, snappy, people don't have a long attention span, so what are the What's the recipe for great Instagram? My belief today, something that is a snapshot of what's actually going on in your stomach. And I I say that, you can use the word stomach, you can use brain, you can use heart. I think, I, for example, I am actually unbelievably motivated and grateful. And I believe that my motivational quotes work on Instagram because it's my truth, not because I think motivational quotes work. For example, you know what really works mm-hmm. on Instagram? Incredibly beautiful pictures. Do you know how many I've posted in the last four years? Zero. Because I don't know how to take a beautiful picture. Mm-hmm. So I don't ask DRock or Babin or people that could do that for me to do that so I can post it. It's not what comes from my heart, brain, or stomach. Right. You know, if you are actually an incredible fitness person and you understand fitness, you know what does well? your fitness content. Now, the fact that you're attractive and you understand lighting and, and angles helps, but there are tons of, I mean, it's unbelievable. When I go through my feed or explore or look at people engaging with me, I'll see somebody DM me and I'll say, oh, that person's good looking, girl or boy? And I'll be like, I wonder how many followers they have. And the amount of times I click and they have 450 or 6,000, like this makes no sense, supply and demand, but also, does it come from their soul? And so I think anything can work on Instagram. Humor, you know, beautiful images, quotes, micro clips that are insightful. It's very cliche, but I genuinely think at this point, because of the maturity of the platform, the only thing that's breaking through 
is truth. Fantastic. That's a yeah. very good headline, I think. I think so. Very impactful, makes me seem like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another one, so it's LinkedIn. LinkedIn. So not many, so people get confused as hell over LinkedIn. Like, I love LinkedIn. Uh, like, my friends call it my version of Tinder. Because I'm like, ooh, which famous person do I know? <laughs> I love it. So, uh, you've obviously figured out LinkedIn as yes. well. Yes. So, talk to me. How does one maximize LinkedIn? What is its purpose? LinkedIn's real good for me because I'm a businessman. It's right. a business environment. And so, I think LinkedIn's an incredibly interesting place for deeper, longer form content around business. Uh, and so, uh, that's you know Colin on my team, a writer, uh, and Sid on my team, you know what I would call a distributor and, and an architect of our content. They've spent a lot of time on on it, and I I give them a big head nod for my success on LinkedIn. Um, I mean that's a natural place for me, right? To me, that's a home run environment because I have a lot of business content in my head. As you're interviewing me for this, you can see how natural it comes to me. Mm-hmm. It's my ethos. I don't have to think twice. I can talk about business literally 24 hours a day until the day I die and will not run out of content because it's my truest self. It's all I've ever thought about literally since the time I was five years old. It's why I was such a bad student. I couldn't turn off my head from thinking about selling and buying and trading and understanding why people buy stuff. I mean, why were kids interested in Garbage Pail Kids in 1986? That's not what third graders do. They're just interested in Garbage Pail Kids. I was interested in why. Um, So long form content. Uh, Because when you're in LinkedIn and you're in your Tinder moment of business, you're in that mindset. You're in your ambitious, you're in your what you do for a living, you're in your business mindset. Right. You're in a very different mindset when you're on Instagram. And so what I think I'm doing very well that is very subtle is I create content for the mindset and the psychographic nature of what's happening in there, not the demographic nature. Let me expand on that. All of us in this room are the same fucking person. We're us. But when we go into six different apps, our brain's chemicals are different. Mm-hmm. You know, a, you know, uh, Instagram's escapism for a lot of people. They're, you know, checking out attractive people. They're looking for a laugh. They're they're keeping up with culture. That you know, you're not acting. Your brain is not in the same place on Instagram and LinkedIn. Of course, I make content for that reality. That is why I've won more than almost anybody. I understand that, and even my own team doesn't hold a candle to me in copy and nuance to that subtle trait. So Twitter's not very big here. Um, okay. Twitter's fourth after Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Yes. Um, of course, now with DJT in the office, Twitter seems to be more popular than ever. Why? What did you say? Because? Because of uh, what's happening in the States. A lot of people oh, here you are, are accessing Twitter more. So to see what Donald Trump says? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Makes sense, I understand, yeah. go ahead. So how should people, so now that Twitter's uh, coming about as a reasonable medium, how should people be using it, how should people be looking at it? Twitter was always the anomaly in social media because it wasn't a content play, it was a community play. And that's why so many people struggle with Twitter, both media companies and individuals. It is the platform to listen, not talk, and nobody wants to listen. Okay. I like what you alluded to there. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the one place you can jump into any conversation. I mean, the fact that you can jump into any conversation. So on LinkedIn, it's super fun for you to look at Branson or Cuban or Barbara Cochran. On Twitter, you could literally reply to them on something they just said, and they'll actually reply to you. 
I mean, look at every A-list personality. 99% of them, if they're active on Twitter, that is the place to get an engagement from them far more than Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook, including myself. The way to get me to reply and see what you're up to is far more likely to happen on Twitter because it is built for communication, not for distribution of content. Right. And that's why it's failed so many because everybody just wants to put out content, have people consume it, impact them for what they have selfishly behind that content and move on. Right. But for somebody that's a quote unquote nobody, Twitter's the place to go. You start by listening and talking. It's what I did. I was a nobody in 2007 on Twitter. What did I do? I responded to Leo Laporte and Kevin Rose and P. Cashmore and more importantly, I searched the word wine and every single tech nerd that said, I'm going to Napa to drink wine this weekend who worked at Salesforce or Microsoft, I just replied and said, what winery are you going to? And they were like, whoa, uh, I don't know. And then I replied, well you should go to Whitehall Lane. And then they would look at my profile and see Wine Library TV and they're like, thanks dude. One by one by one by one, 12, 14, 16, 12, 14, 16, 12, 14, 16 hours a day. And then I was somebody. Because A, I spent 15 years learning about wine so I knew where to have to send them. And B, because I fucking bled out of my eyeballs for 15 hours a day and put in the work. Fantastic. And no platform can do that for you like Twitter because you don't need to be great at creating content to be noticed. You just have to be good at replying to information around your expertise. But most people don't have the humility when they're an expert cake maker to spend three hours a day replying to people talking about cake on Twitter because they're fancy. And that I can even deal with because you're an expert cake maker. What really pisses me off is aspiring kids who want to be somebody think their time's so valuable that they can't put in four fucking hours replying to people on Twitter. Fantastic. I'm inspired. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, oh dear, we don't have much time. Okay, last one. So, thoughts on the influencer movement. It's it's big. I mean, I work a lot with brands, so now every time I speak to a Unilever, PAGO, how can we engage influencers? KOLs. What's a KOL? Key opinion leaders. Oh, is, that, is that what they call them? That's the Asian kind. That's China. Mainly to your point. That's China's terminology that I think is bleeding into Southeast Asia terminology. But anyway, influencers, KOLs, go ahead. So, uh, what do brands need to want to influence? Give them their brand okay. and get the hell out of the way. And as long as they're not doing something egregious, approve the content. They know their audience way better than the brand does. So, if they want to take the bottle of water and put it on their head and do this, that's going to work for their audience because that influencer knows that and no brand manager should be like, no, 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 our brand never goes on a human's head. If that's the case, then run print ads and get out of right. influencer marketing. So, influencer marketing is, is brand new. It's, how, how, do, how do brands judge? Influencer marketing is not brand new. Okay. Influencer marketing has been around since John Wayne was putting cigarettes in his mouth for Lucky Strike, right? It's, it's, it's endorsement. What's, what's new, <coughs> is the long tail of endorsement and the gross underpricing nature. Beyonce is overpriced. Beyonce is underpriced. Okay. And scale. 40, 40, 400, 4,000 influencers for one brand versus one celebrity endorsement. George Clooney, right? right? That's new and that's something they don't understand yet but it is absolutely underpriced and has always been underpriced. But how, how do brands know what to look for in influence? Run analytics. Okay. 
look at their audience segmentation, understand their distribution, make a qualitative and quantitative decision like they do with anything else that distributes information. So right now brands are not getting it right. Uh, it, it's it's not that brands are not getting it right, it's that agency partners are not positioning it right to brands to figure out how to use it. Right. Because it's awfully difficult to make money in influencer marketing the way that media companies want to make money. Okay, uh, well, now we do have one more time. So I'm just gonna, this is for me personally, I'm probably not gonna No worries. So I started off in print, print's been my life. I still, I still hold it up above many things. But is my is my industry dying? Is it? What, what means, what's gonna happen? If you think your industry is that paper and print on that paper is the holy grail, sure. Right. If you think your industry is communicating through the written word, it's never been a better time. But monetization is harder than it's ever been. For, uh, for the, for the big guys, yeah. Sure, as it should be. You know why? You can write directly on Medium. True. Distribution has been commoditized. Okay. When distribution's commoditized, the creators have the leverage. The IP has the leverage. So Star Wars 13 mm-hmm. can come out directly on Netflix. Right. So it could. Mm-hmm. It could. Yeah. It maybe won't. It could. Mm-hmm. Right? Distribution has been commoditized. The internet is the middleman. So for a writer looking to make his first step, your advice is content, 12, 14, uh, 16. You should write <clears throat> everywhere. everywhere as often as possible. You're one article away from your career changing. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, I really, really, really hope you loved it. Uh, As you guys know, I try to bring it every single day. Uh, So whether you're walking the dog, uh, running on the treadmill, or traveling on a plane, I hope it brought a little value or escapism for you. And I'm here to talk to you about, as we get into the holiday seasons, the thing that I'm most excited about, which is the Gary V Wine Club for $55 a month delivered. No shipping charge. $55 delivered, you either get one, two, three, three or four bottles of wine. For some of you that don't know, that is the industry I grew up in. I was once known as a wine expert. And what I've been doing is getting back in the game, tasting hundreds of wines each month to narrow it down between one and four bottles so that I can send it to you and send you over $100, $150, $200 worth of value each month. If you go to the hashtag GaryVWineClub on Instagram, you can see the insanity brewing. I'm really excited about it. I know we're going to that time of year when you're thinking about buying that perfect gift and I know so many of you have people that are fans of my content and different things of that nature and to be very frank, I'm just so proud of the damn club. Like the first, you know, somebody just emailed me this morning actually, there was a Shatniff to pop, that's how we roll, a Shatniff to pop in the first October month, the first month we did it, that the guy just literally saw in a liquor store for $67 just for that bottle and it was one of the three bottles. So super excited about it. Buy one for your dad, your best friend, your boss. I will not let you down and most of all, each month, there is a video and audio supplement of me tasting the wines that you can taste along, build your palate, or entertain one of your buddies. The greatest gift for the holiday season in the history of mankind, the Gary V Wine of the Month Club, $55 delivered. Go sign up now to winelibrary.com slash Gary V. Gary V-E-E.